Good morning. Recently we've had uh, snow and ice and around the country a lot of uh, accumulation of weather that keeps us in our homes. And I suppose some are experiencing cabin fever and restlessness, trying to figure out what to do with themselves. But on the other hand, there is a real opportunity here to explore sanctuary. Sanctuary being a place of refuge, a place of protection. I recall being down at the coast and looking out on the rocks way out in the water and seeing the seals lying out there on the rocks and understanding that they were protected out there in a sanctuary where no man was allowed to go. A little further down on some other rocks was a bird sanctuary. Uh, A while back ago in the news, uh, Julian Assange uh, took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years, and no one could disturb him. And that that embassy was in London. And uh, the English would like to have arrested him, but they could not. Uh, The word translated sanctuary means literally a holy place, a consecrated place. It's usually applied to the tabernacle or to the temple in the Bible. But again, it means an asylum, a refuge to which one might flee in case of danger and be safe. Amongst all the ancient nations, temples were regarded as safe places to which people might flee when pursued and when in danger. I can remember, you know, walking into some cathedrals and people would say, you're in the sanctuary, talk quietly, like in a library. The prophets say that Yahweh would be a sanctuary that is an asylum or refuge to whom we can flee in times of danger and be safe. As in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength. Or Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I would like to read you a introduction to a collection of poetry that I wrote some years ago called In Cloakroom Moments. And this one is called Better Realities. When I was in the first grade and I misbehaved, I was sent to the cloakroom where I was supposed to stare at the coats on their hooks and somehow suffer such embarrassment and fear that I would not repeat the alleged offense. There in the cloakroom in the quasi-darkness, my imagination would take hold and I would contemplate better realities than sitting hands folded at my desk as voices often droned in the distance. At night in my bed, I was sure there was a tiger in the room. I would slide further under the covers so he couldn't find me. We had a babysitter named Dee, whose discipline would be to lock me in the scary, dark closet where I would build spaceships and fly to other planets like Tom Corbett. In the end, the cloakroom became a friend, a sanctuary between the worlds where I first glimpse beyond the veil. Isaiah the prophet writes in chapter 8, verse 11, For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, 
Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall regard as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Well, first it tells us here not to walk in the way the people of the world walk. Well, we know that we're called into God's kingdom. Come out from amongst them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6. And do not call a conspiracy. All these people call a conspiracy. Don't fear their fear. So don't walk in their way and do not fear their fear. But fear God, it says, let him be your fear, and he will become a sanctuary, a place of refuge, and a place of revelation for you. It's just like being in the cloakroom. The choice for me in there was to become afraid, to cry, to be upset, or to seek if there was something there for me. Was there another reality other than that classroom? Is there another reality other than this world? Those of us who have been filled with the Spirit know that there is. It's called the kingdom of God. What an amazing place is the kingdom of God. I remember when I first came to the Lord, people were telling me, no, the kingdom will only arrive when Jesus returns. But I kept reading the Bible, and it kept telling me that the kingdom was now. I'd like to read to you from Psalms 84, really one of my favorite Psalms. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is, is in you, who have their hearts set on pilgrimage or in whose heart is the highway to Zion. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The key word here, I suppose, is pilgrimage. You know, the highways to Zion, whose heart is set on this journey to the kingdom, this journey, it consummates in the resurrection from the dead and fellowship forever with our Lord Jesus Christ in heavenly places. As they pass through these difficult spots of sorrow and weeping and so on, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. 
In Exodus 9-1, the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, said, Let my people go that they may worship me. In Exodus 25, verse 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Can you see that this sanctuary in the Bible was first and foremost constructed not for us, but for Yahweh, for God. But God has called us to his sanctuary to worship him. Again, in Psalm 84 and verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, I would rather stand at the threshold. I would rather be near. Anything is better than dwelling in this wicked world system. So is it the world or is it the kingdom? Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 31, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Isn't that something? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How about let's concentrate on really coming to the present, coming to a place called now, because now is the day of salvation. Remember that the kingdom of God is our spiritual sanctuary. In this sanctuary, the eyes of our heart are enlightened. David writes in Psalm 77 and verse 13, Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. We discover God's way in a sanctuary relationship with him. David meditates on the wicked seemingly getting away with evil in Psalm 73 and verse 16. He's already talked about all the terrible things the wicked get away with, and he's so vexed that he's going to shout it out in the congregation when something happens to him. And it says this in verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went in to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Sanctuary is not an end to suffering. It is an entrance to God's presence and guidance so that you and I can persevere. In other words, God grants us revelation from his presence in order to chart a course to deal with our difficulties in this present world system. Wherever we are on the earth, God is available to us for whatever we are facing. We can ask ourselves, why is the kingdom of God a sanctuary? Romans fourteen seventeen very familiar to us as we used to sing it. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. In other words, it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal the kingdom of God. Now, how true that proved in my life. Until a moment when someone told me up at the old Prince of Peace Coffee house to go back to my home, get down to my knees and pray and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until I did that, all of this that I now see was a mystery to me. I could not understand it. In 1 Corinthians four eighteen through 20, it says, Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, the Apostle Paul speaking. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Galatians 1 and verse 4, Paul says, Jesus gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary. I can remember some years past, I was down at the coast with Mary, and she suffered an injury on her on her knee, and I couldn't get her down to the steps to, the, to take her to the doctors, to the hospital there. So I drove to the hospital, and they said, well, you better get an ambulance, and that was quite a fiasco. It was two or three different ambulances. It took about an hour to get there, and they were all assembled up on the deck and talking to one another. Anyway, Mary eventually got to the hospital, and after four or five hours of uh, medication and a buying a pair of crutches we got her back and I managed to get her back up the steps into the into the cabin and I went down to the beach because it was a beautiful sunny day and I was sitting on a log looking out at the ocean and and just trying to let this all take me somewhere else perhaps to the sanctuary and as I'm staring out at the ocean the sun's beating down on me the seagull from about Oh, 75 feet away, looks at me and starts hopping towards me. And I kept watching him, kept hopping and hopping and hopping until he got up to the log I was sitting on and hopped up on the log about six feet from me and just sat there. So there I was, just me and the seagull. And all of a sudden, I felt this amazing oneness with all things. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit ministering to me, comforting me, assuring me that he was with me in all things. 
Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I love Psalm 28.8. The Lord is our strength, and he is a saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, how true that is. Psalm 31.19. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You will keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. The plots of man and the cunning craftiness of man. God will hide you from these things if you desire it. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you are truly born from above, if you are truly baptized in the Holy Spirit, and if you are truly desiring to abide in Christ, then you are beginning to walk in the new creation. Colossians 3, 1 from the Phillips New Testament. If you are then risen with Christ, reach out for the highest gifts of heaven where your master reigns in power. Give your heart to the heavenly things, not to the passing things of earth. For as far as this world is concerned, you are already dead, and your true life is a hidden one in Christ. One day, Christ, the secret center of our lives, will show himself openly, and you will all share in that magnificent denouement, or that magnificent revealing. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will appear with him in glory. Oh, Lord, help us become a sanctuary for others through our words, through our pilgrimage, in our homes, in our hearts, towards our husbands, towards our wives, towards our children, towards our neighbors, towards our friends, towards our brethren. Finally, Quoting from Matthew 6 and verse 5, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the street corners and synagogues to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. When I pray that, I reflect on that a bit. Set apart who is like you? Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In me, Lord. In my wife. 
in my children, in my brethren, and finally in our society, Lord. May your kingdom be revealed. May your prophetic men and women rise up in this nation in which we live and reveal your kingdom. And may your will be learned in the innermost parts of my being. Help me, O God. Give us today, O Lord, our daily bread, the bread of your presence. Thank you for food, for health, for breathing, for shelter, for for clothing, for transportation. Forgive us our sins our trespasses, our debts, as we forgive those who sin against us, Lord. Give us a forgiving heart. Help us not to store up things, but to pray for those who despitefully use us. People we can't stand, help us to have a heart to pray for them. And Father, lead us not into temptation, into undue testing, but deliver us from the evil and the evil one. Having said this, help us to abide in your sanctuary in times of difficulty and reveal to us your heart in your way. Ephesians 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, who are his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. May the Lord bless you this week. May he guide you into deep communion with him. And we pray also for wisdom for those who are leading in this nation, that they may do what is right before you, O Lord. And we entrust our very lives and the lives of our neighbors to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. 